Three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to There Will Be Bugs. I am Ben. And I'm Zilla. It is currently September right now, and a lot of bugs are out and about getting ready for winter. And the leaves haven't really started changing here in New York. They're kind of threatening, too, though. Some of them are starting to try yeah and like and uh, i've noticed in like the wetlands the the leaves have started ch changing there especially on the uh, red maples and some of the ash speaking of insects out and about a common insect that you can find out and about now getting ready for winter are yellow jackets and that is going to be our topic for today so I feel like everybody on the local Facebook community page is talking about yellow jackets a lot right now. And they all say that it's worse this year than it's ever been before. Uh, that's probably not true. Yeah, it is true. probably <laughs> the same as it's been in years past. And if anything, it's probably less than it's been in years past. It's interesting when people start going outside and they start noticing things that are you know, a part of everyday life outside. But, so this this term yellow jacket is uh, a common term, and uh, it refers to a kind of a specific group of insects. So we are talking about insects, that's class Insecta, uh, order Hymenoptera, so those are your bees, your sawflies, and your wasps. Your family is Vespidae, so those are going to be hornets uh, and wasps. Also, yellow jackets are in that family. Our subfamily is Vespinae. And the genera that we're talking about are uh, Delatrovespula and Vespula. Good job. These are referred to as commonly yellow jackets. Um, however, when you're when we're talking about the public, uh, these official names can not be so official. So I experience people referring to yellow jackets as hornets, wasps, and bees uh, a lot. Um, and common names make this uh, confusing because the bald-faced hornet is in the genus uh, Delatrovespulia. Uh, and to be a hornet, it needs to be in the genus uh, Vespa, which we're not talking about the genus Vespa. Um, some examples of true hornets that we have in, uh, around here are the European hornet, uh, Vespa crabro, and then one that might be here to stay is the northern giant hornet, uh, Vespa mandariana. But, so... Uh, Delatrovespula has 23 species. Um, this genus is defined by its large malleolar space. And what is that? Yes, that is the area between the eye and the mandible. So if you're looking at the face of a wasp, it's got its eyes usually towards the top of its head, and it's got the mandibles at the bottom of its face, basically. And mandibles are the little... Yeah, it's mouth, mouth parts. Yeah. Yep. Um, those are its mouth parts. And this uh, malleolar space is the space between the eyes and the mandibles. And obviously large is a relative term. So 
take that with a grain of salt, but uh, Vespula, our other genus that we're talking about in yellow jackets, has 23 spe uh, species, and comparatively speaking to uh, Delicho Vespula, they have a small malleolar space. You know that you'll made it as a podcast if you ever start getting letters about pronunciation. Yeah. Uh, if someone can tell me actually how to pronounce that genus, uh, I would be super happy because I just feel like I'm, I'm winging it this whole it's, time. It's got a lot of letters. Um, Vespula, the easier uh, genus to talk about, um, uh, like I said, has a small malleable space and... It can be somewhat difficult to tell apart from uh, Delachovispula. Um, a lot of these species can be difficult to tell apart, let alone um, the genera. And we have a lot of representatives in the eastern U.S. And so going forward, I'm not going to really talk at the species level, mostly because I don't even know if I could tell a lot of these species apart if I looked at them in person. Um, so we're going to just kind of keep going with the general term of yellow jacket, uh, speaking about um, the group that we're talking about in this podcast today. And uh, a lot of times I'll even, if I'm looking at a wasp that could be a yellow jacket, could be another species within the family Vespinae. I usually will just call it a Vespid because, again, the, the, a lot of these species have alarm colors. They're about conspicuous to large wasps, so they're usually not tiny. They're usually easy to see, and they all, again, they all look pretty similar unless you're really... A, a taxonomist that will look under them, uh, look at them under a, a microscope. Cool. Uh, to go into more of the description, so if we're just talking about Hymenoptera in general, which are wasps, bees, and uh, sawflies, like I mentioned, they have hooks on the front margin of their hind wing that couples with the forewing in flight. So you have some insects that can move their wings independently when they're flying. Um, dragonflies are one of those that are, are, are can manipulate their wings very well. Um, where Hymenoptera actually hook together their, their forewing and their hindwing when they're flying. This gives them more power and better coordination of their wings and it uses less energy. So they might not be as good flyers uh, and you know agility-wise as uh, dragonflies, but their, their trade-off is that they use less energy when they do this, and it takes, they, they don't basically need the, the brain power for all that coordination. Do their wings like fold up somehow when they're not flying? Yes, so, so now talking about the family Vespidae, they have longitudinally folded forewings. Um, this is also called plating. Um, so that means basically the simple form of this is their wings get folded hot dog style when they're resting. Uh, this is so that their wings aren't as wide and have less surface area when they're maybe walking around. This this is thought to protect their wings as they're crawling and walking through tight spaces. 
it's just polite to fold up your wings if you're at a concert or something. Yeah, so it's so that the guys behind you can see. Yeah, it's kind of like folding up your umbrella before you get into someone's house. You wouldn't walk. You wouldn't uh, open up your umbrella in someone's house. That's just kind of rude. Um, many orders and families are thought to um, have this longitudinally folded wings uh, in order to mimic vespids. Um, and these orders and families usually have uh, other coloring characteristics to reinforce this. Mimicry is pretty, I wouldn't say common, but is widespread among insects. And a lot of them mimic vespids. And you think of something like a, an insect that people really fear, it's probably vespids because they hurt when they sting. And uh, humans aren't the only species to recognize this. A lot of mammals and other animals recognize this. And so a lot of other insects have taken advantage of this and have mimicked vespids not only in their coloration, but in the way they fold their wings and even their behavior. So they'll kind of, a lot of um, hoverflies will like pulse their abdomen so it looks like they have a stinger when really they don't. And it's really just in this grand scheme of mimicry and specifically mimicking vespids. So the Kardashians of the insect world. I would fear vespids way more than I would fear the Kardashians. I don't know. And also, vespids are kind of like your... I'll get into this later, but vespids are more of your working class insect where maybe some of the some of the shiny lepidopteran might be a better representation of the kardashians where like vespids are hard working they have this uh this social system yeah but everybody's getting brazilian booty lifts because of the kardashians so um you must spend a lot less time on instagram than i do i definitely do and i definitely know less about the kardashians than you do everything i've learned about them i've learned against my will <laughs> uh, that's exactly what you would want people to think <laughs> um but um yellow jackets are omnivores they're generalists and they're usually opportunistic um they will eat basically anything that gives them nutrition. In the summertime, they're more focused on finding high protein foods. Um, this can include other small insects, dead animals, um, and a lot of times human food. And towards the fall, they look for food with a higher sugar content. And so this is usually ripe fruit or rotting fruit uh, you know, how many times you've had, like, seen a pile of rotting apples on the ground and, like, there's just so many yellow jackets in there having a feast. Or, like, they, or if you're at the fair or something and there's a recycling oh, yes. full of soda cans and stuff, yeah, that's, and, like, wasp heaven. And they're just all over in there. Um, during the summer, the queen is laying fertilized eggs that develop into other workers and this larva needs a high protein food. So that's why during the summer, the um, workers are usually collecting food with high protein 
During the summer, the queen is laying fertilized eggs that develop into other workers. Um, and this larva needs high protein food, so that's usually why the yellow jackets are focused on finding high protein foods during the summer. And then at the end of the summer, no more workers are being made, so the next generation of queens are searching for high sugar foods to get them through the winter. Um, you can also find workers eating weathered boards and decaying trees. Uh, they use that to get pulp that they make their nest with. Um, they basically eat, they chew on this wood pulp and then they regurgitate it to form the nest. And that's how you get these nests uh, made out of that papery, papery material. Those, those kind of round ones that'll hang down off of your rafters and stuff, right? Yes, yep. All right, so I saw a thing on Instagram uh -huh. that says uh, if you hang up like a just a regular brown paper bag next to a wasp nest, that wasps are so competitive that they will be mad that neighbors moved in and they will fly away. I have a feeling that that's not true because usually they'll fight with each other first, and if there's no no one actually inhabiting that nest. There's no one to fight with. I would be interested to try it, but I'm skeptical that this this works. Um, and so I was I was mentioning uh, fighting, and that kind of moves into the sting of yellow jackets. Uh, You've gotten stung by one. Yes, I've gotten stung by a few. And I will say it's not it's not fun, but it's not the worst experience I've ever had in my life. I'm also, again, I'm not allergic, so I didn't have to go to the hospital because my throat was swelling up. To preface that, most wasps, so most of most of Hymenoptera cannot sting. They do not have a stinger with venom. Um, Stinging is commonly a characteristic of the eusocial social wasp, so the vespids, that's the family that yellow jackets are in. Though there are some solitary wasps that can sting humans, uh, though they usually do not. Um, the composition of venom can be very different species to species, and stinger sizes vary. However, larger stingers does not usually mean a more painful sting. Oh, tattooing's like that. Like a finer needle usually hurts more than a big needle. Yeah, and so the reason... Or needle grooving. The reason behind that is because it's not usually the... It's not the, the actual physical stinger going in that hurts. It's the venom that your body is reacting to that hurts. And so if we, if we think about this... Uh, bullet ants, which have a, a very small stinger, are claimed to be one of the most painful stings. Also, velvet ants that have a larger stinger are usually considered lower on this uh, pain index than bullet ants. Um, and again, this comes down to the composition of the venom. So now we're going to get into why wasps sting. And for the eusocial wasps who are commonly stinging insects, it's because that they have a nest that they cannot move, and so these wasps are more committed to protecting their nest. What does eusocial mean? 
Use social means that they that is the highest level of sociality in organisms, and that means they have a division of labor, which usually means in this case they have a queen who lays eggs, and you have workers who do various tasks, and the workers can be even divided up into which tasks they do. Um, so there's there is yeah it is a par a pyramid scheme that is sociality in uh, insects. So are there wasps that live alone? Yes. Um, most wasps are actually solitary. Um, it's most wasps are solitary. Yes, most okay. wasps are solitary. Um, we're talking about a really large group of insects, Hymenoptera. Uh, I think people don't really know how large they are, and I don't even know off the top of my head how large the, the, the class of Hymenoptera is. But we're talking about thousands of species of wasps that are uh, that are solitary and so comparing them to the eusocial wasps another reason why a lot of the solitary wasps don't sting and eusocial wasps do is because stinging is uh, really dangerous it's easier for the solitary wasp to just fly away and hide from a threat because they're usually moving their nests all the time and they're and a lot of times they're not caring for their eggs they'll just lay their eggs and leave them so it's not a big deal to them if there's a threat near their eggs they just get up and go where it, like if they were to open themselves up to that danger by trying to sting it they are all alone they they don't have anyone else to pass down their genes where if we're talking about you social wasps the workers are very similar genetically to the queen, so their job is to protect the queen because in the end it's the gene, the queen that's passing on the genes. It's this very altruistic me mentality, even though they're really just concerned about passing on their genes and they know that the queen is the one to pass those on. So the, it's, the sacrifice to them is, is in the sake of passing on their genetic material and which gets on which gets passed on whether they live or die exactly this like greater unit exactly and i thought wasps could sting more than once yes they can uh, but i'm talking you know it's it, still probably not great yeah it, it's safety -wise. It, one it, safety wise and also like stinging is very taxing like it takes a lot of energy to to make this venom and there are cases where uh, wasps can get its stingers stuck in what it's stinging, and in that case, it's fatal. So we think uh, you know, honeybees, everyone says how uh, they can only sting once and it's over. Wasps usually can sting multiple times, but there are chances of the stinger getting stuck You're and they're also dying. Not yes. doing that. Yes. You can crash your Honda Civic a bunch of times, but that doesn't mean you should. Yeah, or if or want to. <laughs> you know, this all builds into why you social wasps sting. You know, in the end, it's in protection of the eggs, the larva, and the queen. Where solitary wasps, it's safer for, it's them, safe to for just... them to just leave because they oh, are yeah. basically their own queen. <laughs> they they are their own boss and. Uh, they can always lay more eggs as long as they're not dead. And so now we're going to get into the creation of nests and colonies. 
And so to go over a little bit of the life history of yellow jackets, the nest creation is initiated in the spring by a single female who was inseminated in the fall. This is the queen. The queen works alone to start building the nest and lays eggs that will turn into the first workers. After the initial eggs develop into adult workers, the queen retires to only laying eggs or dominating the workers. We'll get into that in a second. Hey. Hey. I didn't know it was one of those podcasts. <coughs> um, and so the queen does her part. She gets the nest going, and then she's like, okay, it's all up to you to feed us, to protect us, and to make sure this nest does not fall apart. And so that kind of goes over the worker tasks. The workers are going to distribute. So, yeah. So, what, so the queen, so she's pregnant when she goes and builds and starts building the nest. She's inseminated. Bug pregnant. She 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 was inseminated by a male in the fall, and basically she can she encapsulates that sperm into in her body and releases it as she wants. Oh. Yeah. So she she is like. When she's ready to lay an egg, she releases the sperm from this little kind of like capsule in her body and it um, it fertilizes the egg and she lays it. Uh, that's like the really basic version of that, but she it's not like all the eggs in her body are inseminated like right when, uh, you know, copulation happens. But she can just hold on. Yes, she just so holds on ready. to it. Yep, okay. exactly. Cool. Uh, the worker tasks. Um, workers are going to be in charge of distributing protein-rich food to larvae and carb-rich food to adults. As an adult, you don't really need uh, as many proteins anymore because you're already kind of fully formed, so they're just living on sugar. Um, workers are also going to clean the cells and dispose of dead larvae. So not you know not all larvae are going to make it. There's you're going to have deaths. And it's the job of the workers to clean out these cells and make sure the nest stays clean because you can get a lot of like pathogens and sure. they can get sick just like we can if you're not living in a clean environment. It's super important to make sure that everything stays clean and you you know you don't have dead bodies laying around in your in your kitchen. Weird. The workers are also in charge of ventilation and air conditioning. Um, they do this by, they'll basically sit on the nest and uh, fan their wings when it gets really hot. Gosh, um, that's so decadent. Yeah, exactly. The queen just it, it gets to sit there and have all these workers fan fan her and all her babies. Do they see her peeled grapes, too? Uh, well, I'm sure she would, I'm sure if a wasp found a grape, it would rip it apart and bring it to her. <laughs> And then again, uh, the workers are in charge of nest defense by basically sitting on it and attacking things that are, are threatening the nest. Um, and then you have workers that are in charge of foraging for water, sugar, and then other protein uh, sources. And then construction and extension of cells and nest walls with pulpwood. Um, so Again, you have the queen who lays eggs, and then you have the workers who do literally everything else. And within Yellow Jackets, you have this age polytheism, which basically means at a different age, you have a different job as a worker. 
the new workers, like the newly hatched workers, will stay in the nest and distribute food and help with food distrib uh, distribution. Sorry, that was a little redundant. Uh, you have middle-aged workers that are engaged with foraging. So they're the ones actually going out and uh, looking for prey items and getting water and making all this, all these trips back and forth to the nest. And then you have the older workers that act as defense of the colony, which makes sense because one, they're not as physically fit to go out and get things anymore. And also, what's, a, what's the deal if they die? Right, they're less valuable if, it is, if they do lose their stinger and... Uh -huh, or get like smushed by someone who slaps them or, or whatever. Um, as the summer turns into fall, the queen starts to lay fertilized eggs. These fertilized eggs uh, turn into males and she also lays eggs in extra large cells that will turn into new queens next spring. How new queens form is basically you have an egg that gets more attention than all the other ones. So if you're a larva that has a nice big cell compared to say a worker larva and you're getting you're getting fed a lot of protein and you're getting just all this extra care from the workers, you're going to develop into a queen. So if you get into the best preschool, yes, you you get to be queen. Yes, you get to be queen. These future queens, as we get later into the fall, the old queen and workers eventually die, and the new queens and the males um, mate, and they move away from the nest. Does, does, does she mate with males from her own colony, or does she, does it matter? I'm not sure if uh, there's a preference, if she prefers to mate from males from her own colony or males from a different colony. I imagine for like the sake of genetic variation, it'd be better if she mated with males from a different colony. Sure. Do you know if um, there's all these subspecies of uh, uh, yellow jackets, can they breed with each other and have viable offspring? No, know? no. So once you get away from different... So under this category of yellow jackets, these species cannot mate with... The, these different species cannot mate with each other, even though they are, are under this umbrella of yellow jacket. Uh, and again, yellow jacket's more of a common name that we just give to these species. To mention more about the nests, Dolachova spula, which is, remember this genera of yellow jackets that have the large malleolar space, that's the space between the mouth and the eyes, they usually build exposed nests or sometimes subterranean nests. So exposed nests would basically be up on branches or on power lines, basically when you see that large oval-shaped that really paper nest. Yes, that, wasp nest. Yes, that very classic wasp nest. Um, just something to note about that, uh, these exposed nests are exposed to the elements, so there's going to be a greater upkeep of the nest, and there's going to be increased predation um, by birds that are going to swoop in and get these uh, yellow jackets. The genus uh, Vespula usually 
builds concealed nests. So these are nests in cavities or in structures. So rotting logs, trees, uh, in walls and in attics. Um, they are going to be safer from predators and elements, but uh, the space that they build their nest in can severely limit the size of their nest because they can only build a nest as big as the space that they're in. Uh, earlier I mentioned queen control. The queens of a colony control their workers by various means. Um, this could be physical aggression, so they will beat up the workers. Um, they will also eat the eggs that other work that the workers have laid so that she's the only one laying eggs. Um, and she also can secrete hormones that suppress the ovary development of her workers. So they'll basically not become sexually mature while she's secreting these hormones. As it gets later in the season, um, and the queen you know, gets weaker or maybe the nest gets a lot larger, uh, she kind of loses control of her workers either by there, there's not as much of this hormone that she's secreting, so some of the workers can start developing their ovaries and start laying eggs, or she's just not strong enough to keep physically keep all these workers into place. But it sounds like that's kind of what has to happen for them to fly away and start a new yes. colony. Yes, right? yeah, so that's kind of like the, the, you know, that is the natural order of things, and uh, the queen... Uh, does not the a queen only lasts one year so she'll have a summer and she'll die in the fall and the workers that were with her will fall into chaos and they'll die but the um the, but the basically the new queens she made for next year are the ones that then have sex with the males that she created and then they'll overwinter and start their own colonies next year so we talked a lot about yellow jackets. Yeah. How do you feel about them right now? Um, I don't know. I still don't really like to get stung, and I I know they do lots of valuable things, but that's fair. But they're still like stingy. That's fair. We went over a lot of their biology, a lot of their classification, and uh, next episode we're gonna be going over some more about their relationship with humans and that's really where I'm gonna get up on my soapbox and say how much I love yellow jackets and how great I think they are so they really are very like I don't know they're cool looking up close but um and yeah I'm looking forward to to the Ben the Ben Knowlton soapbox um I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in uh, again, we're fairly new to podcasting, so we're trying to figure out our audio and our editing. So if you can just bear with us for these first episodes while we kind of nail that down, um, I hope that we have this figured out in the next few episodes. Yeah, if you're an animal lover, you might be happy to know that most of the horrible background noises are my 15-year-old dog just doing dog stuff. So He's a good boy, but he can be loud. <laughs> He's not... He's tippy-tapping on the floor, and he was drinking some water, and you can't really tell him not to because he's an old, he's right. an old dog. He's so. a dog, and he lives here, too. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening. I hope you tune in for our next episode. We're going to be talking more about 
the relationship between humans and yellow jackets. I am Ben. I'm Zilla. And this has been There Will Be Bugs. Thank you again.